Guys, welcome back. Cannot believe it. We are on episode nine, Alex. Yes, episode nine. We both had to kind of take a little double take. It feels like we've done a lot more than that, but also, I don't know, it's a strange feeling. It's like episode nine. Well, so next week, or sorry, our next episode, should I say, we don't know if we'll be back next week, but will be our 10th episode, which surely it's a milestone. I think so. Like we might have to do something special. We won't we won't brainstorm here because obviously we want it to be a surprise but who knows Alex and I might switch it up and do something new or we could just do the exact same thing again and just you know call it something special have a cute little title in it maybe I could put an emoji in the title I think that might be a bit too extreme Alex please Mm. sir please Mm, very true but who knows that could be the surprise guys you're not going to know until the next episode so you'll have to tune in of course always so for me anyway at the moment now I don't like to pick our episodes I feel like they're all our children at this stage so to pick a favorite isn't fair but I'm not gonna lie this week's topics are my favorite so far since we've started yes I think well well I'm not going to go that far but you know I feel like this is prime is this thing on territory this is really what this podcast is about and I'm looking forward to discussing it over the next you know 50 55 hour you know Let's see where it goes. Let's see where where it goes. So I think let's start with what is my favourite topic anyway, just kind of 24-7 favourite topic, Sean Mendes. Yes, I'm excited to actually have a reason to talk about Sean Mendes as opposed to you just like crowbarring him into every single situation. But at least this time, you know, he has a new song. Okay, yes, he does have a new song. Also, would just like to say, in terms of that tea that was just spilled there, me crowbarring him in. Mm-hmm. Hi, Taylor Swift. Hi, Ariana. Hi, Casey Musgraves. How are you? Uh, yes, but all relevant to that week's discussion. Or Anyway, let's get right into this. So anyway, he's released a new song. Yeah, let's just move on past that. You know, don't come for my faves. Not when your fave is doing what he's doing. Oh, relevant. Yeah. Anyway, okay, yeah. sorry. So right, Moving on, guys. Don't mind us. This is just mom and dad. Stan Wars. Anyway, so yes, sorry, he released a new song. He released it last week, last Thursday, called If I Can't Have You. Alex, tell me what you feel about it, because obviously I will probably have, like, mad emotions, but you tell me what did you like, dislike, tell me everything. Okay, so what I like about it, I first of all, I do like the song. I think the song is good. I have actually actively listened to it, which is a huge compliment for me to pay Sean Mendes, because I frankly, the only other song that I've really like added to my library and have listened to like have searched for would have been lost in japan and then of course you have the zed remix of that song which was also played quite heavily by me and this song is very much like the side like the b-side to lost in japan i think it's kind of serves a similar type of attitude in it and i actually really liked it i posted when it really when it was released i listened to it and i was like whoa like this is really good like it's really poppy it's really catchy it's very fun and so I've I've really enjoyed it and I'm glad he released a song that was a bit more it is probably a bit more my lane and when it comes on I think it's a bop you can't really deny it um and I'm not I don't think I'm not going to use the word impressed because I'm not impressed by it but I am happy with it I think is how I would you know quantify it so all those things aside, all those positives, it being a, ba- a like a bop, it is also quite basic. It's not, again, it's kind of the same thing that I've always critiqued Sean for, that there's no real, like, there's no great, you know, musical growth. 
the lyrics are kind of trite and a bit kind of like nothingy. You know, the production, everything about it is not like nothing is like incredible. There's no like standout moment here. The best thing he ever did though was get that choir involved. I love a choir. Any song that has a choir involved, I'm there for it. It just does something to me and very happy for that inclusion. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think it's really solid and it's fun. And that's kind of what I want from him. So he doesn't have to rewrite the wheel as long as he's serving me something. And at least my cup is like a little bit filled at this moment in time. Okay, interesting. I feel considering how hard you've come down on other artists, hashtag lead or IP, poor man was completely scalped by you. Hasn't but been seen since. <laughs> considering how hard you've come down on some people, that was that was kind of what I expected from you. Like you were you were honest with your judgments. So Obviously, guys, if you've been listening from the get-go, you know that I'm quite a fan. If you haven't been listening from the get-go, you know now. You now know I'm quite a fan. I do love me some Sean Mendes. I do. However, so when it comes to this song, it is definitely by far not my favourite song he's ever released. Just because, like, I of course enjoy pop music. Like, to be honest, most people do. I would kind of verge, like, veer a bit more towards the kind of, like, alternative pop rock pop kind of moments and here this is like very much pop music summer banger like i don't know if it's going to be the song of the summer just because obviously there are many tunes still to come from many artists this summer however as alex was saying like it's a fun song it's undeniably fun you can't not have a groove to it anytime it's come on the radio since it's come out heck i had it on replay for like four days and not even for fan purposes of trying to propel him up the charts like i just genuinely was really enjoying it i thought it was super upbeat was making me feel positive so i think it's definitely a great song for the summer now a couple of qualms that i have with it one of the things that does bother me is the release date that he did for it so obviously it came out last week in may and he's now discussing how he's excited to be playing it on the tour like the north america tour and I'm kind of just here like, well, your European fans were kind of left in the dust there, but we'll get over that. It's obviously like, you know, he chose when to release the song and it was kind of obvious as to why he chose when he did. But it's a bit frustrating for European fans to then have to miss that performance then because you're saying that like he wasn't doing anything in particular that wasn't hugely out, like outstanding or groundbreaking or anything. Now, the choral bit, as you said, amazing. We love a choral bit. Like, it's great. Like, it's just, it gives, it's all the vibes that I want. I love that. Like, I love good musicality. And I think when people can introduce new voices into the music, love that. Now, his falsetto, that cannot be faulted. There's a brilliant moment of falsetto towards the end of the song. And just in general, his falsetto, since this his like most recent album, the self-titled album came out, has been unreal. You can tell how hard he's been working on it. And now, in fairness, I'm not saying he's Prince. I'm not saying he's the king of falsetto, but... The song is giving me more than what I expected. I was just kind of expecting him to go with the powerhouse vocals. And he did do that. But he introduced the choral moment. He introduced some falsetto. He also introduced like less guitar and like more piano. and But not in a kind of an acoustic way. Like there's, it's still kind of synthy. It's upbeat. I like it. It's a good summer song. Yes, it's definitely a good summer song. I must, I think, pop a pin in your balloon though is it is that the phrase i don't know let's run with it but it's not going to be the song of the summer it's a good song and i think what we'll see now is much with the trajectory of much of sean menace's music is that there is this initial burst of interest and listening 
by you know people like me and you know obviously he has many fans but then that eventually dies off and I feel like his music to me is always quite flash in the pan and what I mean by that is he releases a song the song is amazing whoa whoa the song is good no sorry I'm no no we, we all heard it here folks we're we editing that bit it. out no, it won't be the final it edit it's going to be edited out it's fine that's the song is good uh, but you see there's just a, there's never enough for me to sink my teeth into in the sense that like I'm okay with a song being a slow burn shout out Casey Musgraves so I like a slow burn I'm okay with maybe not initially being hit over the head with the song I'm, I'm able to kind of move past that but I feel like there's like as much as I think this is a bop there is nothing underlying here there's no like the lyrics aren't deep the construction of the song the production all that jazz in general it's it works because like I've said to you Laura in person like you know he's not making bad music it's not like he's not going he's not progressing to the right chords or he's not doing the right thing or his melodies are off there's just nothing special about it and yeah I feel like the song somewhere you either need to be super catchy you usually have to have a rapper involved because you know just to diversify and to hit all the bases so yeah it's definitely not gonna be the song summer I'm putting you know my flag down but i still think it serves its purpose it's clearly meant to do some promotion for the american like the tour i mean good good on you i think the video is kind of like you know i i don't know like if we can just for a second maybe divert more into a more general sean mendes discussion i don't understand like that album i listened to it for laura's benefit it's definitely not a bad album but i feel like in my blood okay like look i think you love that song I respect that. I think that song is everything that Shawn Mendes should not be doing. And it's, I feel like that album has, like, Lost in Japan, did Lost in Japan have a video? Yes. It had oh, a very, it oh, it had such a good video. It was it was a spin-off from Lost in Translations. The concept was great. Oh my God, I actually think, I think I remember watching it. But I feel like he tends to put his hopes on, like, like he was on SNL and he did In My Blood again. I'm like, what are you doing, Sean? Like, no, but what? you have to realise why he's doing it. So, fun misconception. I don't actually love In My Blood. I love the message of In My Blood. I love that he went for a rock anthem. It's It didn't deliver for me what I would have wanted from it, just because it it's a bit too... Trash. Okay. I don't come for Taylor or Ariana <laughs> or Casey. Let's just, you just sit down, please, sir. That was uncalled for. It was. Sean, yes. I'm sorry. He shouldn't We're have done that. sorry, Sean. I anyway. Suppose. So say, for instance, like, In My Blood. Like, for me, it's not my favourite song, again, of his. However, the reason why he performed that with SNL is because you always get two songs regardless with SNL. So even though, for say, for instance, Lost in Japan is the most recent single since the album, In My Blood is the one that's the Grammy nominee. That's the reason why he performed it. I think that's a little bit of a cop-out. I think you, like, look, no, but at the same time, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just kind of thinking about this realistically. The, you're saying that, say, for instance, If I Can't Have You, if it should have been the B-side of Lost in Japan. Great idea. Don't deny that. But I think if he had performed Lost in Japan and If I Can't Have You, two songs on the very same note, like they're very similar notes, the same night, I would have been, I would have been so bored. I'm glad that he went for two very opposing vibes. Yeah, I understand that. I don't. I didn't expect him to perform Lost in Japan. But I feel like this actually harkens back to something that we talked about before on the podcast with Camila Cabello continuously, endlessly, tirelessly dragging up Havana and refusing to not perform it at every possible opportunity. It's draining. 
Havana at least was a song of the summer. It was huge. It was everywhere. It makes sense because if you don't perform that song, people are going to be like, you know, like the general public are going to be a little bit like, oh my God, she didn't do Havana. She's doing Real Friends or something, an album track or whatever. And it's disappointing. In My Blood is not that song. There is no one, no one who was tuned in. Well, maybe you are, maybe you're that one person. But there are very few people who are tuning in to SNL in 2019 to see Shawn Mendes perform In My Blood. There's very few people. I, I think he has that, so... But I think it is just because of the fact that you and I are on very are two very different Twitter spheres. So you're telling me now, hand on heart, you have two songs that he has to pick. So he's going to do the new song, obviously. It has to be done. Promotional purposes. You want people to stream. You're, you want him to do In My Blood. No, but Alex, you're not addressing what I've just said. <laughs> I told you, it's not, it's not my favourite song. I understand why he chose the song. It's not a song. In fairness, I can't really choose the second song that I would have wanted him to perform anyway, because for me, just have, have if I can't have you as the flagship, just let her sail out, do her thing. He had to choose a second song. Obviously, they're going to want In My Blood, regardless as to whether he wants to perform it or not, because of the fact it is the Grammy, no- it is the Grammy nominated song. It is also one of his biggest singles that he's ever released to date. And also, it's going to give a very different like, note. If you look at the, say, for instance, you look at the three singles that he released from his last album, In My Blood, Lost in Japan, Youth. Youth, he can't perform by himself. He has to have a person sing it with him. And there's no other musical guest on SNL that week. Then also, if he did Lost in Japan, it'd be the exact same note as If I Can't Have You. It would have been a flop. No one would have cared. In My Blood just adds a different level to it, particularly because he did it acoustic, because he did it on the piano. Now, I agree with you. Did I want it? No, necessarily not. But people are still going to tune in for In My Blood, particularly because his fan base adore that song. And his fan base is huge, particularly in North America. And that's where the target audience audience is in SNL to get the ratings, to get people to watch it, because everyone else has to watch on YouTube. Okay, I take that. I also, I think we will just have to agree to disagree. I think SNL is a huge, huge, huge platform. And I think for someone like Sean Mendes, who, frankly... We're three years down this line and we haven't, in my opinion, seen anything like the potential is so there for Sean. This is why it annoys me. If it was a Khalid situation or someone else, I really wouldn't care this much. But I feel like he has the, the package is there. But it's like something about like he needs new management or he needs to do something or oh, no. live okay. outside his like right. world right. because it doesn't oh. work. He hasn't done anything special yet. That's okay. Not every not every musician is special. And Shawn Mendes makes music that works. It doesn't not work. But even just there, I'm actually looking up the views for In My Blood and SNL. And it has, it's been updated three days ago and has less than 400,000 views. Actually, less than that. It only has 269,000 views. That's not a lot. Because the reality is, when was that song released? Nearly a year ago now at the stage? Must be nearly a year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so what's happening is, no one really cares you he has the chance here you know it's a platform like let's not like be like he's not the biggest superstar in the world but he could be do do like nervous or do like i don't know what's another song on the album that like is kind of good like do you know what I mean? you don't have to do a single you're you've done your front single you've done the new thing so that's it okay that's the right decision made i feel like if this was camilla cabello and she released a new album uh, or a new single now and she came back and did havana I would audibly laugh because it's ridiculous. Yeah, I at know... the same time, she would though. That's the thing. So I know I keep interrupting you and I don't mean to be, but I'm just harking back to the point. So I won't address the whole thing you said about management because I highly disagree with it. We could have this whole episode on Sean, to be honest, at this stage. So I'm just going to skip past that. 
as you were saying, Camila Cabello would be doing the exact same thing. She'd release her new song and she would perform Havana. Ariana would be doing the exact same thing where she would release her new song and she'd probably be doing, well, just because her album releases were much more recent, but had she not done, um, had she not had um, the, had she not done Seven Rings and everything, she would have been doing um, No Tears Left to Cry. Like everyone is going to go for the biggest single from their album. I agree with you, it shouldn't have been done, but at the same time, I don't think he should have chosen like a C-list version of one of the songs from his album. And also the reason I imagine it got so few reviews is no one is tuning in for SNL to watch that thing like you're saying. So there's no point in judging that song being chosen because remember when we were even harping back to the Grammys saying that Ariana wasn't performing and it's realistic that they probably wanted some form of sweetener medley and they weren't getting that and she probably wanted to do Seven Rings and couldn't do that. Sean is probably under the same kind of custody issue here where they're like, okay, yeah, we really want to do your new single. Also, by the way, do In My Blood. Like that is the reality here. Artists only get so much ownership over performances that they're going to get. I, I think again we're talking about unknowns there. Like that's an unknown. We don't know whether he's. Be- I think he likes that song, which, you know, it's like I think he wants it to be a signature hit. Is what I think is trying to happen here. It's not good enough to do for that. It's not doesn't hit enough bases for people to do that. If it did, it would have been recognized before i know you said about the grammy thing to me again the grammys happened like almost two months ago now i think the idea that snl like snl like like you're like i'm talking about this and i haven't really given this much thought the people who run snl which is quite frankly one of the biggest tv shows in america it is a huge platform it's like performing on graham norton here i feel like if someone performs performs on graham norton you see immediately the spike in views listening everything because it's a great platform it hits a lot of demographics snl does the exact same thing and i think it's funny because your reaction to it i want him to do better i want him to do more but i feel like even what you said about the management it's almost like we're okay with him being in this realm where he is now and like i don't know how sustainable that is for him long term like realistically we've had three albums now and you know Questions are going to start to be asked about, you know, where do we go from here? Do you know what I mean? What do I do now? What do, why do I listen to Shawn Mendes when, frankly, okay, he's just re- like a song that I like, but sounds pretty close to a song that he had in the last album. That's okay. I still enjoy that song. But I think it's really, it's getting into a deeper issue with someone like Shawn Mendes that I'm asking, if this guy wasn't very good looking, he is very good looking. If he wasn't very good looking, would we be listening to him? And I don't really think we would be. This song has done enough for me now, but as someone who, like, without sounding really pretentious, I am obsessed with pop music. It is my thing. I, you know, movies, etc., all that stuff, anyone, you can have them. I'm not a crazy moviegoer, but pop music, I get. And trust me when I say, if he continues to go down this lane, it's, it's not this, like... It needs to be switched up. So we've had an album. We've had now this kind of like promotional single. And what we I need now, because we needed it, or at least I felt I did. You obviously maybe disagree. I needed it the last thing, like album. I feel like I wanted a really like a, a big step outside of, of his comfort zone. And we didn't get it. And I feel like this is, like you said, palatable. I, like, I mean, like, I just, I would like music to be more than just palatable. I want it to be great. And he has to be, potential and so I guess if we can tie this up kind of in a positive note I'm not 
belittling your like of him. I understand why you like him. It is the most understandable thing in the world, but I want him to do better. And he is capable of doing better. So bring it out the next album, the next song, whatever you cho- whatever he chooses to do. I'm talking to you as if like you're him, but whatever he chooses to do, just do like even if he brings out this weird song and it's kind of weird and not very good, I will respect that so much more than another kind of rehash of what we've already heard frankly not only from him but from like male musicians for the last 25 30 years so just sean if you're listening to this you know you've done that you've shown that you can do it let's see if you can do something else Okay, so this week we also had one of the highlights of the fashion calendar and an event that literally rules social media for pretty much two or three days before and then for at least a week after. I am, of course, talking about the Met Gala, which happened this week. And we're going to dive right into it, just go some of our favourite looks, some of our not favourite looks, and also, you know, any general thoughts we have on the entire shindig so laura tell me you know who your faves okay so first of all i think i need to give like a little preamble for some people because there are i'd say a few of you who might not be interested in the met gala first of all i need to also highlight that it is not just like for the fashion world it's for the costume world like this is for me anyway as big as the grammys and as big as the oscars like this is my night i live for the met live 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 i've been following religiously for like the past five years since it went onto my radar and I just I love it so for anyone who doesn't know this year 2019 they had they have a theme every year for it and this year's theme was camp notes on fashion it's inspired by Susan Sontag's essay back in 1964 which is notes on camp and everyone kind of now when I say everyone people credit her for having introduced like the notion of camp and kind of what it is and like having put that into like mainstream media and fashion herself and all of that type of stuff but what she says it is roughly is that the essence of camp is its love of the unnatural artifice exaggeration so basically big bold bright bubbly that's what she thinks camp is so let's all keep that in mind when we're about to discuss our favorite looks because for me and alex i can't wait to hear what you have to say about this but for me I think roughly 20% of the attendees of the Met actually stuck to the theme. Oh, okay. That's quite low. I think something like camp to me, I think I've always, I think British people really get camp. I think someone like Katy Perry, who has been um, predisposed to British humour with her relationship with Russell Brand, I think someone like her, but I feel like Americans really struggle with the concept. So that number doesn't really shock me. But I think I'm happy with, well, well I guess 20, one in five is 20%. Mm-hmm. I think, look, I think a lot of people who everyone are talking about, like as it happens with almost every year, don't really hit the brief. I think that's kind of true of a lot of the years. But uh, I think it's to be expected. I feel like, what really I like to, I, instead of dragging those people down, because I feel like some people just go for the promotional aspect of it all. But then there are also aspects, I don't know, how, like let's even take someone like Kim Kardashian. For me, she obviously looks great. Um, she looks unreal. But that's not a camp outfit to me. Oh no, like for me, and I'll get into all the other ones, like the Kardashian-Jenner looks for me were trash. Absolute trash. 
Like, yes, of course she looks beautiful. Like, it's very rare for her not to look beautiful. She's a very good-looking woman. She knows how to style herself. She has very good stylists in place for her as well. But that was so far off the theme. And then also what her sisters wore as well was so, so, so... I don't even have words. Like, it looked like the sisters were going off to perform at, like, Mardi Gras or whatever the big thing is that happens in South America. But I... I was so disappointed with their looks. And these are women who are known to kind of be incredibly fashion forward and very prevalent within the fashion industry, particularly in the last like five years. So that was just a resounding no for me. Yeah, I would kind of agree. I think like the color palette of at least Kylie and Kendall's looks are sort of a bit wacky. So I can kind of see what they were going for. I think it doesn't fulfill the brief, but it's at least a better attempt. I feel like Kim Kardashian's look was... I tweeted about this. Like, if you think Kim Kardashian was the best dress at the Met, you're wrong. Because, like, best dress at the Met doesn't mean that you look the best. It means that you hit the brief the most, you, you know, push a boundary or you touch on something that maybe someone else, no one else has done. Like, like frankly, Kim Kardashian could have worn that outfit to any, any other award ceremony or gala or charity event anywhere, and it wouldn't have looked that strange. And that's not what the Met's about. The Met is about doing this once off, once a year, themed costume and that that's not what we got from any of the Kardashians really no I completely agree with that like it's just one thing that bothers me in particular about people that go to the Met and actually one thing that I find quite interesting I don't know if you know this I don't know if the listeners know this Kim Kardashian was never supposed to be like at the Met in general over the past few years Anna Winter despises her apparently and I know you don't like going on unknowns. I'm just going by articles that I read. She doesn't like her. She doesn't think she's fa- fashion forward. She doesn't think she's a good representation of where fashion is going. But because Anna Winter wanted Kanye West to perform at the Met Gala, in order to have him perform, he's like, well, I'm bringing my wife. So, mm-hmm. exactly. So, because Kim goes, it is beyond rare for a person not to be reinvited. And if they ever snub an invite, it is like 95% of the time they do not get reinvited back again. So say, for instance, we didn't get to see some of our big names this year. We didn't see Rihanna. We didn't see Sarah Jessica Parker. We didn't see Blake Lively. So I'm very interested in that regard as to whether they snubbed or whether they were snubbed. But back to Kim K and the sisters. I just think, like, so disappointing. Considering as well, when you look at their looks from from years before, like, they, they have done well with the theme before. So why the hell did they show up and not perform this year? The Met Gala is so huge. Why wouldn't you put all of your millions that you have towards like representing one of the biggest fashion houses and wearing one of the most ostentatious things possible with so much flamboyancy because that is part of camp. Yeah, and part of also like you like look, we're all going to talk about Kim Kardashian anyway, but like you would at least I think she would like to be talked about in the light of oh my god Kim really brought it this year and she's nailed this and in a positive light whereas I think now we are getting that people are saying that she looks gorgeous and she's all these other things and she is all these things but she's also not on brief and part of the fun of this for people like you and me Laura is looking at how people take a brief and you can switch it up and you know try something new with it but I often think sometimes the Kardashians just ignore the brief it's just another party it's just another way to get you know, on Twitter or Instagram or wherever. And I think when you give a brief that maybe they, not that they don't understand it, but at least they're not committing to, I think it really shows their lack of sort of diversity in both how they want to be portrayed and how they will be. 
Exactly. Like, I don't know if it's a case of they just feel that they can't, that, that, that they're bigger than the brief or whatever, or if they just don't really have the imagination to kind of, to, you know, kind of go, kind of test the boundaries and stuff. But you would, you would hope they were. Like, they all seem to be, be intelligent enough women to be successful. So I'm kind of like, just try harder. But I'm going to go off them now because thinking of them has annoyed me because the mesh is so much bigger than what they delivered. So say, for instance, okay, oh, I don't even know who to start with my faves. Okay, so say, for instance, Ezra Miller. Sorry, Ezra Miller. Like, if if he's not on the top three of everyone's lists, people can just go home. <laughs> he did do well. He did more than well. Oh, Alex, please. Like, that Burberry number was so beautiful because not only was it tailored and kind of so minimalistically because I think a lot of people kind of confuse camp with flamboyancy and then flamboyancy means colour so let's talk about the fact okay love 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 the colour palette you went for so minimalistic loved that then also he got one of these incredible now for anyone who doesn't know who Mimi Choi is she's a famous body painter and she did the eye illusion that's on his face it's like oh such iconic makeup really recommend people going to like look it up on insta or google images or wherever you want to check but basically, so from what I'd heard, she'd been up since like four in the morning, like prepping, because body paint takes a long time. And body paint like that, that illusion body paint like that is so specific. And so many people couldn't actually tell where his eyes were because he has five eyes on his face. And it's just such a good illusion that, no, I, I thought that look was incredible. And particularly because he didn't go for feathers. So many people went for feathers. And this is again due to that essay having said something along the lines of, camp is a woman wearing 1000 feathers or something like this so thank you Ezra for pushing the boat out and delivering something different yes and especially as a male to do something like that at the Met Gala is really quite like admirable I think really he like him I don't know I'll just move this discussion along a little bit because I feel like you said everything that needs to be said about his particular outfit but like someone like Jared Leto I think also did amazing or this I thought he did and like really show and Harry Styles, who's obviously one of the co-chairs of this year's um gala. But I still think on the whole, the boys aren't doing enough. Like like Liam Hemsworth literally showed up in an all black suit. Black suit, black tie, black shirt. I'm sorry. If that's the effort that you're gonna make, stay at home. Himself and Miley and Sean Mendes, to be honest. So all of them were wearing YSL and What's even more fascinating is the fact that a lot of people credit Saint Laurent for pushing the boundaries with fashion to in- be more inclusive of kind of camp- the camp ideology and everything. So the three of them were wearing YSL and they were the blandest outfits. So Liam, as you were saying, all black. Sean was all black with just with rhinestone studding and a racer stripe down his suit pant. And then Miley was wearing this green and black sequined dress that was mildly geometric it was so disappointing yeah very I think I, I, I see we've seen I've also on Twitter there's this kind of people defending someone like Frank Ocean who showed up looking like he was like standing outside Wes like in like 2011 being like no like you know you're too drunk or whatever like he looked ridiculous and I get that someone like Frank Ocean this isn't really his scene and you know Frank as a fan like I love Frank but I also think he struggles maybe with like social events like this and he doesn't particularly enjoy them. And I think maybe just feel a little bit uncomfortable with the whole situation. 
but like then don't go. Do you know what I mean? This is supposed to be, especially with this year's theme, it's supposed to be flamboyant. It's supposed to be out there. It's supposed to be a risk. It's supposed to be something that you wouldn't normally wear. And to show up wearing what these people are wearing. And like actually, I take a lot of onus with Miley Cyrus who kind of went on this like promotion spree for the Met Gala and to do so much promotion work for it on her Instagram and stuff. And then to show up wearing what she was wearing was kind of like, what is this? Again, much like the Kardashians, I feel like she could have worn that dress to any other award ceremony. I completely agree. Like there were so many, to be honest, flops throughout the whole thing. Now, so say for instance, some people are giving out about the minimalism of some people's outfits and some of them I would agree like there was no boundaries pushed like Liam Hemsworth of course you are a beautifully handsome man but you're boring and then for instance Harry Styles who was wearing the Gucci number I loved that number not only was he serving like androgynous realness but it was the minor details that I loved like the painted nails the one earring the heels it was gorgeous I do wish he had pushed the boundary a little bit more with say for instance either wearing a bold lip or having worn say for instance like a mod cropped bob wig that was like some sort of ostentatious color that would have been sublime especially because when he was standing beside alessandro michelle who is the creative director for gucci because harry was wearing gucci he was outshone a little bit by alessandro but at the same time he was serving a silhouette that very few other men were serving and some of the other guys were doing darren chris looked amazing his was Mm -hmm. gorgeous hamish bowles i think that you say his surname is bowles now for me it was too much he wore this amazing kind of purple nearly like joseph technicolor dream coat kind of cloak and he had this ill-fitting suit underneath with these heels at least at least he pushed the boat out in fairness to him but so many people this year just they were so disappointing yeah so disappointing and like I just think, especially, it was kind of, you could maybe see past it a couple of years ago when people weren't as aware of how overly criticised they were going to be. But it's 2019, you know you're going to be talked about and kind of basically your look is going to be dissected for the next couple of days. Like, so make the effort. Like, I I can't get over Liam Hemsworth in that all black suit. I actually thought it was a joke. I thought it was parody. I thought, is this real? Like, is this actually, like, is he taking, you know, the theme... And is he being like, you know, you're, you know, you expect me to do something a bit outrageous, but I'm actually going to wear the most plain, bland thing I I can wear. And then I was sort of like, okay, but to what end is that? Because if we were living in a world where every male who was attending this show was dressing to the theme, then, okay, his subversion of that theme would make sense. But that's not the world that we live in. We're living in a world where most of these men are showing up wearing suits. And how... Like, even RuPaul, like, okay, RuPaul's suit was crazy. It's whack. And I guess it's campy. But it wasn't outrageous. It wasn't, like, mind-blowing or in any way type of, like... I I wouldn't even call it interesting, to be honest with you. I was kind of like, okay, that's a weird shape. But it wasn't... Do you know what I mean? I just want more. I feel like it's really sad that we have these men who are, you know, rich, privileged, famous, all these words. And... Even at this level of society, these men are unwilling to bend the rules of their gender stereotype. And that to me is like, it's it's sad that like you have a platform, you have the ability. No one is going to question your masculinity next week if you show up where like no one is questioning Harry Styles's, you know, masculinity. 
Yeah. But... See... Sorry, I, I thought you were finished. Keep no, going. go ahead. No, I don't really know what to say. Okay. Yeah, because with that, so say for instance, this week in particular, and this match in particular, it could have delivered on so many expectations for people who were excited to see what people were going to wear. But it could have easily just broken down some barriers. So say for instance, you were saying like people weren't questioning Harry's masculinity or anything i agree with that people aren't questioning his sexuality especially because now it hasn't been he hasn't spoken about it openly but it has been presumed from one of his songs that he's bisexual some kind of living for the fact that he's kind of you know he's working under this this kind of gender fluid fashion sense especially with all of his gucci we love that it's great then look at michael yuri for anyone who isn't familiar with him he was an ugly betty that's kind of one of his biggest claims to fame he wore this amazing cabaret MC-esque kind of half female silhouette, half male silhouette dress and, and suit formed together. It was stunning. No one is going to like, for, for something like the Met that is a spectacle, you shouldn't have to question a person's femininity or masculinity or sexuality or any of this. You should just be able to enjoy the spectacle that is fashion because that fashion is a performance. So why more people can't just get involved in that and enjoy that for themselves without having to wonder what headlines they're going to wake up to the morning after. The only headline you're going to wake up to the morning after the Met Gala is whether you are on the best dressed or the worst dressed. No one is going to give a flying toot about what itty, and when I say itty, sexuality, masculinity, femininity, like any of those, no one cares about that because it's all about performativity. That's the only itty that we should care about. <laughs> it is. Though. You should make that your chat, like your ringtone or something. That is going to, guys, I'm writing a book. That's what it's called. <laughs> I just, for me, I just wish, and especially because some of the men in particular delivered, some of the women really delivered. And then there was just so many flops, like the amount of basic silhouette dresses that I saw was so disappointing from this. The amount of basic silhouette suits we saw, so disappointing. Like, I just wish people could be more comfortable to, to just go for something different. Because as you were saying, there were so many people who showed up wearing things that they could have worn to any other fashion gala, any other awards show. Why the heck aren't you pushing the boundaries for the Met Gala? Yeah, exactly. And I think even, like, not to critique Sean Mendes again, but I just feel like, you know, like, I don't know, just do more. Like, I don't know, I think with Sean... There's like, okay, he's young. I think he's sort of, not that he's shy, but I kind of feel like maybe he's a little bit like he doesn't, I don't know, but I can sort of, I I just don't get it. I'm like, this party is meant to be crazy. So why not use that opportunity to be a bit more flamboyant? Like, I'm sorry, I can't stop thinking about being Hemsworth in that suit. And it's the same with Frank Ocean. It's like, Frank, I love you and you're great. But like, See, the thing about Liam Hemsworth is, like I said, about the subversion, I can kind of give you a little bit of a miss on that. And OK, I'll let that. But someone like Frank Ocean wearing that pullover hoodie puffer thing is showing that he's at least thought about it. He's at least gone. OK, I'm going to the Met Gala. I can't just wear a suit. So that like thought to me is weird that it there's a spark there, but then you stop it before it goes anywhere actually meaningful or exciting you 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 think about it and you go okay I'll, i won't wear a suit but i'll put on this black hoodie thing and it's the same with connie someone like connie who runs his own fashion brand and who is not averse to wearing colors once they're pastel obviously or and weird <laughs> sh- <laughs> weird shapes and stuff like that. to show up wearing like a, sh- a navy shirt jacket with na- like navy work pants is 
so weird to me. It's almost like, why try? Like, why bother? Like, why just, like, just stay at home? If you're not going to at least make an attempt. And, like, also, it must be a little bit freeing for someone like Ezra Miller, who was going to film premieres and Oscars and all this stuff, to be allowed to wear something as ostentatious as he did. It must be liberating to do that. And, yeah, I think for next year, we just need the boys to do a lot better than they've been doing. I highly agree with you. To just touch on, like, a couple of things before we move on. So, as far as you saying with Frank Ocean, completely agree. Like, at least he went for a different silhouette. Thank you for that. And I had read that his rationale behind not going bigger and bolder and brighter was the fact that he's like, I am camp myself in my everyday life. This is what I wear in my everyday life. I'm delivering on the theme. So, at least, like, in a way, he did think about the theme. Do I think it's a cop-out? Yes. But, look, it's better than a YSL black suit. Sorry, guys. Let's be Mm -hmm. real here. There were, now, I just want, before we move on, I do need to highlight, so, oh, as you said, Jared Leto, he he killed it, loved it. I've heard people not like his look, and I'm like, please open your eyes, because it was unreal. Um, Two of the women who just completely killed it for me, killed, slayed my wigs on a whole different continent, Lupita Nyong'o looked incredible. Yes, she did look amazing. She did. That was a well thought out, well styled outfit. Hair phenomenal. She, 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 she's just she's she's a great woman. I have a lot of love for that woman, and very happy with that look. And then for me, the oh Janelle Monet, like yes, Janelle did look great. My only issue with Janelle, I feel, is that she often like the shape is obviously great and she looks amazing. But I think it, I wasn't as blown away by it just because I feel like she wears a lot of black and white anyway. That I think it would have been really cool for her to like go more down a colour route, but she did look great. Yes, I will give you that. I think had she gone for say a bit more, considering how it was already leaning towards a pop art inspiration towards the actual kind of art artistry of the dress and everything, I think had she gone more for pop art colours, had she gone for like blues, reds, whites, yellows, would have been amazing. Would have loved that. I did live for the hat moment though, because that's just take because well, I suppose when you say that she wear she was wearing colours that she tends to wear, I suppose when you kind of factor that in and then you you factor in the fact that like her wearing like a boxy hat is very iconic. I think she probably just took her look and just elevated it. No, did I want more colour? Yeah, sure, now that you've said it and put it in my head, definitely. But I think that she's just elevated what her usual everyday performance wear is and just made it more camp. So I kind of love that. Yeah, I think that's fair. And again, you know, she's clearly made the effort and she is on the brief. So we're happy with that. Um, if I had to call attention to anyone in particular. Oh, my God. How have we not talked about Casey Musgraves? Yeah, Casey Musgraves, I think, is my favourite of the night. I have never been more attracted to that woman in my life. The blonde wig. She also did this thing on Twitter where she was supposed to wear, for everyone who's not seen it, she's supposed to be, it's Moschino that she's wearing. And she's supposed to be like the Moschino Barbie. And she has the cell phone bag and the pink latex leather like kind of trench coat dress thing everything about it is amazing she was supposed to wear um blue contacts with it but she couldn't see so she had to just go like natural and she had her brown eyes out but she just looked incredible and i feel like that to me is camp like how more camp can you get than barbie oh i think now so what was kind of gas was when i first saw the photo of her i didn't realize it was her so she did a brilliant way like job at like costuming her kind of regular wear and her regular kind of like award ceremony carpet wear thing and to go in for something really performative and I loved that 
well, it wasn't my favorite look personally. I do agree with you. Super camp. Like she definitely delivered on the theme. It just for me was a bit bland just because Barbie for me is a bit obvious. She did do an amazing job of it though. And the fit was great. She looked beautiful. It's just, I don't know. It's like even like, for instance, going to Zendaya. She she looked beautiful. She delivers on the camp theme technically, but it's just, it's boring for me. I just, I wanted a bit more kind of high art. That's yeah. kind of what I want from the Met Gala. Yeah, that's fair. I think with Zendaya, I would just say for me, she does well just with the kind of theatrics of the whole thing with the glass slipper being left and all that. I, for me, that saves, I think that's obviously a really great dress and the lights and stuff. But for me, the kind of performance element of it really ex- like accentuates its campness. What are, what are your thoughts on Lady Gaga? I want to hear them. Okay, I think, so for me, I actually really, really, really loved her costume changes, her whole costume idea. So say, for instance, had she worn any of those things as standalone garments as her, like, showing up to the Met Gala? Besides the first one, just because the first one was such a spectacle, I'd be hugely disappointed because, singularly, they're all very bland and they're all very safe. I do love the fact that it took her 20 minutes to get up the carpet because she was so busy doing her costume changes. I do find that relatively iconic. So extra. I do find that the pink looks in particular were amazing because as you were saying, when it comes to Barbie, like there's kind of a few things you can think of that that kind of give you more of a camp, like a camp ideology. So the pink, like the first one, the pink one with the six like people holding the train, gorgeous. Then the third dress, which was like the skin tight, very typical 90s look of a pink dress. Brilliant yet again. The black one, the first one, boring, could do without. And then the studded bikini, like, did she look great? Of course she did. But, like, we've seen her perform on stage and that type of stuff. So, again, for me, boring. But Mm -hmm. as a whole look and as a way of opening the carpet, she did great. Yeah, I would kind of pretty much agree with all that. I think the only thing I would say is that I think for, like, all of those individual looks, I think they are kind of disappointing. But it's the spectacle of it I think that works but I think when I first saw it I was like oh my god she's literally like everyone else can stay home but then I think as the night wore on you start to kind of critique things more and delve deeper I think definitely once the initial kind of shock of this like 20 minute entrance wears off it does become a little bit like I think I probably would have rather just nail one look and that been it because obviously they all change after so you she get to try on two looks like for me the kind of like fitted pink dress I don't think that's a great I don't think it looks right on her. I don't think it, it, like it obviously does fit her, but I don't think it looks like it fits her. But anyway, I think we're really going really in deep here. So I feel like I'll just list off some of my other favorites very quickly. So I loved Serena Williams's neon yellow with the pink on. I love that. I love the neon Air Force that she's wearing. I think that's lit. I loved Katy Perry's chandelier moment, which was crazy, but also exactly what I think the brief is wanting its attendees to nail. Who else did I like? Um, did I say Celine Dion? Nope. I really like Celine Dion. I'm like, Celine Dion is like, she's getting up there age-wise, but she's still doing things that are fun and a bit quirky and all those other things. And I guess that's kind of it for me. Like, there are obviously other people. Charlie XX went and who, you know, I'm obsessed with Charlie. But she looked unbelievable but it wasn't particularly campy the color was camp but other than that but yeah I guess I am kind of disappointed I think this year lacked 
a Rihanna moment in general. We like uh, like anything that Rihanna goes to makes it better. But I also think Rihanna always nails the look. It's always like an outfit that she's researched and that has like some real thought processes gone into it. And I don't think we got as many of those moments as I would have liked. Yes, one hundred percent agree with that. Like Rihanna as well. When it comes to Matt, like Rihanna's queen, she because so many people can serve a beautiful look, but she serves the theme every year. She gets it. And there was one other person that I really wanted to discuss. Who was it again? Oh my God, actually, yes, now that I remember. So Lena Waithe, I believe that's how you say her surname, W-A-I-T-H-E, come for me if you need to people. But that's what I've heard. That's what I've said. And look, she wore a suit. She went with Chadwick Boseman. They were both representing Pyre Moss, I believe is what the fashion house is called. And so she was wearing this pinstripe suit, blue and black. It was great. Very well fitting. I really like the fact that she was kind of wearing a more masculine fit. It looked great on her. However, she wrote on, it was written, um, embroidered, in fact, on the back of the suit saying, Black drag queens invented camp. So they were like making this statement and I loved that. However, and Alex, I don't know if you know this, one of the words was misspelled. Oh no. So it actually read as Black drag queens invented camp. Oh no. Yes. So a lot of people were like, was 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 did you know so that was like going everywhere so someone tweeted it being like was this intentional and so then lena she retweeted it and she said um she retweeted it and she's like everything i do is intentional and then apparently she tweeted again saying i think i'm Possibly with the look that she wore to the, to the to the gala last year. Now, in fairness, I don't remember there being any embroidery or this could have been a separate look. She was saying how something she'd worn before, um, which she'd clabbed on as well. The word period was re- written P-E-R-I-O-D-T. And so she was saying that the purpose of misspelling that word and the purpose of spelling Ventend were both on purpose, but I don't understand why. Mm. Because it wasn't explained. So... And like I, I get really into this type of stuff. I I love kind of researching all these type of things, but I still can't understand why invent end. Like I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get that either. I mean, I guess we're talking about the misspelling, but that's a bit. I think it just takes away from the message that what she was trying to say. Because when I had first heard about the jacket, I was like, okay, great, interesting. I want to know the take on it. I want to know the argument. And now no one's talking about that anymore and everyone's just talking about the, the like the misspelling. And I'm like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. You don't want to be remembered for the wrong thing. Exactly. And to be honest, I don't think a, that we have a more fitting place to finish with there because, look, we addressed all the looks. We addressed all the topics. Let's move on. Yes, let's. So as we let you all know in our last episode, we would be discussing... Avengers Endgame this is going to be your again we seem to do this a lot where we like tell y'all to turn us off but if you're not into Avengers if you haven't seen it yet if you don't want that movie spoiled this is your warning now to turn us off to do all those usual things to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts to like post about us on your social media like let everyone know that you're listening to us like we you know we don't care who listens like you know like just anyone and everyone please But um, yes, so this is your warning. We will be doing some heavy spoilers. There's not even going to be a inch of non-spoiler territory. We're going to jump right into it. So 
if you don't want Avengers Endgame spoiled for you, this is your turn off point. Yes, this is where we say farewell, but it's also where we say, guys, Avengers. Oh my god. Like, so Alex and I went to see it together because Alex had already seen it and unfortunately we couldn't talk about it on the podcast last week as loads of you know because we had said that last week so coincidentally we ended up going to see it at the weekend and I'm just going to completely out him I, it was the first time I saw it and I cried Alex saw it for a second time and cried twice <laughs> I didn't think I forgot about that I did cry twice I and okay so the first time I went to see it when I tell you I held back the tears I was I've never been so distraught. Well, actually, sorry. Every time we go to the cinema together, I cry. Like I cried at the Star is Born. I cried at this. But it's so moving. It's so well acted. Like, these are all good actors. Like I care about all these characters. So yeah, I did. I I did cry twice. I cried for full disclosure. I cried when did I cry when Black Widow died? Yes, I did cry then, didn't I? Well, I, possibly I, the first time. I think a single tear might have fallen down my cheek when um, Scarlett Johansson said goodbye to the franchise. But then at the end, when Gwyneth Paltrow, fuck me. So Gwyneth Paltrow, look, first of all, I think if I'm giving grades to people in this movie, I feel like she did A+. First of all, the like little in-joke about, you know, when she's sitting down and her and Tony are just like at home living their quiet suburban life. And he's like, oh, what are you reading? And she's like, oh, this new book on composting. And he's like, what's new in composting? Like, that's great. Like, in the context of who Gwyneth Paltrow is with her, like, goop website, you know, prescribing all these weird, crazy health trends and, like, talking about, like, weird things like composting. Like, that was, I laughed out loud twice. I was like, that's so funny. Like, that's such, like, a meta joke to tell. But then not only that, like, she's she's very little screen time. And even since in the whole, like, kind of, in the whole franchise like she's like Iron Man 3 she was there and she's like she pops up in lots of other movies but she doesn't have any like major screen time other than in Iron Man 3 but she's on like I feel like every time she was on the screen in this movie she was amazing that bit where she like spoiler when Tony's about to die and she tells him that he can rest now like like I don't know if I would have cried if it was anyone else delivering that line but she delivers it so earnestly and uh, it's a lot and it's heartbreaking and then the other time I cried was when Tony leaves his little like kind of like electronic message to his family and he says love you 3000 which of course was a line that his child said to him she was going to sleep and it that just set me over the edge that ruined me like so actually funnily enough my three moments as well my three emotional moments were the same as yours so I welled up at um at ScarJo saying um just let me go you know when she's about to die like I was like oh my god because mm. like you can't not love her she's incredible and then when oh when Pepper is looking at Tony and is just like you can rest now so again I welled up then there was no tears spilled but then but then when we get to the freaking hologram at the end and he's looking at Morgan without even realizing Morgan's there sorry Morgan's the child for anyone who can't remember and he's looking at Morgan and he says I love you 3000 I oh, I was broken. Like now in fairness, I only cried one tear, but considering guys, I rarely cry at films that involve people. The ones that get me are cartoons and dog films, okay? Otherwise, I'm pretty much like I'm a, it's drawing like blood from a stone, but that ruined me. It was so beautiful. 
Yeah, every, even you talk, saying it there, I'm like, oh my God. I feel like I want to start saying I love you 3,000 people in real life. I, but like, I don't know, it's a bit extra, but I, oh, no. I, I, oh, I feel like for, and also like, I know you said that you're quite hard to make cry. I'm quite the opposite of that. You know, we've been having tears, you know, so I can cry and I'm, you know, not ashamed to say that, but in a superhero movie to cry, I think is something that off the top of my head, I have never done. And to, for it to happen twice. And like you said, for it to kind of pretty much happen over two viewings as well, is crazy, but it's just like, it shows how invested I am in this world and also how well developed and how realistic and sort of how tied I am to this whole universe that when one of its main characters goes, and you know, this is the end for Tony, you know, this is the end for Robert Downey Jr., who there was rumours prior to this movie coming out that he was going to die just because he seemed to have become a bit fatigued with the whole shtick and just kind of wanted out and wanted to do work in other movies and wanted to be more than just Iron Man. So a lot of the fans had speculated this would be his last movie. But even then, like, this is this is goodbye to someone like him, both filmically in the sense that his character has now died, but also as an actor, like, that is the end of... Robbie Jenner Jr. Yes, and like I think a lot of people underestimate the fact that so say for instance the very first Iron Man and which is also the very first Marvel film from the Avengers universe was 2007. 12 years we have been connected to this character. And it's so easy to connect to him because he's like he's so relatable because like he's sarcastic and he's dry humored and he's funny and he's narcissistic like he's so many qualities that people find entertaining but that people can also relate to and Robert Downey Jr. is an iconic actor I said this to you Al after the film and I stand by this no one will ever be able to play Iron Man again like they just can't yeah he is Iron Man he he just really inhibits that role and takes it as his own and yeah the Captain America thing like with him kind of passing on the shield I think works sort of. I mean, I don't know if I would have picked who he picks. What's his name? I can't <gasps> remember his name. Sam. Sam. Yeah, I'm kind of like Sam. Who like I kind of always thought Bucky was going to be the one. Oh. So, yeah, I know. So it's strange to me, but I'm also kind of like it works in that I think Captain America. It's it's never been about him as an individual. It's the idea like this American ideal, I guess. Whereas. Iron Man is has always been about Tony Stark and has then just by very nature been about Robbie Jenner Jr. So yes. I can do that, but yeah, no, I don't think anyone else could ever fulfill that role. Exactly. And to move on to what you were saying there a minute ago about Captain America. So first of all, I loved that ending for Cap in general, just the fact that he then got to actually live his life and with a woman he loves, like wonderful. Now, I personally disagree with you over the choice. Like, so say, for instance, a couple of people have said to me, like, oh, well, it should not have been Bucky. Like, Bucky's the one that, like, went like went through everything with Captain. It's like, well, yeah, he was. And obviously, kind of, it's a bit of a case of, like, oh, well, what's, like, Bucky's purpose now? You have to keep in mind, though, Sam has dedicated himself to the cause that is America for his whole adult life. Like, he embodies the ideology of Captain America for me where Bucky doesn't because obviously Bucky went off the rails for a little while and I know that he got messed with when it came to Hydra and I'm going back years ago to Winter Soldier but Sam has been a constant I also love the fact that like 
you have to also take into like account race here like i'd say it's a probably a huge thing for some people the fact that it's like an african-american man who's then going to be on this pedestal of being captain america because like the title will transfer over like it's 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 a promotion for him and i just i loved it i thought it was really fitting i thought sam was the right person and I don't think Bucky will mind, you know, like, obviously, I know, yes, fictional character, yada, yada, yada. But I think even Bucky would be happy knowing that Sam is the new Captain America. Yeah, I think you see that. The one other thing I would take issue with, though, is Sam's beard is literally the most awful thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life. Who, first of all, who allowed him to do that? Second of all, why wasn't it like changed post, you know, in like edits or whatever? Like, it's literally I, this the whole like scene with him Steve and Bucky is ruined for me because I cannot take my eyes off his beard I'm looking at it I'm thinking like this is one of the biggest movies of all time if not the biggest movie of all time surely someone was like right okay this guy's beard is ridiculous like let's do something here and this is kind of where it's funny because I genuinely for the life of me cannot remember his beard and oh it's so bad it like runs down like his like it's like it's it's like too far away from his like it's not near his ears. So it's like this weird like inch of space in between his like ear and then the beard, and then it like runs down his like cheek as opposed to like his jaw. It's so bizarre. It's really it's not good. As a costume designer, I'm ashamed of myself for not realizing this. But then at the same time, I'm like, oh, maybe this is more of a men's grooming thing that bothers you because obviously that's not something I'd focus on as much. At the same time, disgusting maybe. myself, I should notice. I should just I should know better. Anyway. Allow myself this one time to slip up. I'm trying to think what else did I love, love, love from the film. Let's see. Hmm. What else is popping out to you, Al? What? Oh. So, oh. Sorry. No, no. You know you answered, and then I'll tell you my thing. I just I got excited by remembering what I said. Oh well. The one other thing. I hope I'm not taking your moment, but the one other thing that I loved was when all like female Avengers like all lined up in the lines and they were like we're not alone. I'm getting giddy thinking about it. like this movie has made me cry it made me cheer it made me laugh like it gave me all these emotions but that moment when they all kind of come together and kick ass all oh, like um, it was amazing and it was like I can only imagine how that must have felt for someone like you Laura because even for someone like me I was like Jesus that's fucking powerful the empower like exactly Al the empowerment I felt from from just that still of seeing those women together being boss ass bitches ready to like tear Thanos limb from limb. I was so here for it. And I loved it. Like women of various ages, various statuses, like from various backgrounds. And they're just here one pur- purpose just to, just to, you know, get Captain Marvel home. Like I love, I just, I loved it so much. It meant so much to me to see these women all together in that still. And even just in that scene, and just ready to take it home. And I know, obviously, like, it didn't end that way. But it's just the fact that it was included in the scene made me super, super, super happy. Yeah, it's incredible. The whole fight scene, that whole fight scene is pretty much, like, every single shot is just really... I, I, and also, just the movie in general, I have not heard one single person come out of this movie and have, has been disappointed. I feel like it hits all bases, ticks all the boxes, and... Like I, I like now I don't want to veer into like fanboyism, but there has just been very little criticism as far as just like how much better can comic book movies get because this is pretty much at least to my mind I'm trying to think of a fault now that I just I really didn't like, and I actually can't really think of any. I can't either. Now I have like a plot point that has bothered me, and I'll get into that in a second. But as far as the actual film goes, like 
it is so well edited it is so well cast like the like everything from the special effects to the acting like it's all to a t like there's it, it didn't do anything wrong it just it was exactly the end you would have wanted for the avengers universe because everything was tied up with a brilliant bow it was just it was so good and i'm sorry but dc is shaking in its boots because it will never ever ever be able to compare ever well i'm not gonna say ever but it's it's a good 15 years of coming anywhere near what marvel did this time i feel like it's funny to me on twitter you see people comparing the two there kind of is no like this is coming from someone who if you ask me what my who like my top three favorite superheroes slash villains are like batman is probably my number one so like that's a dc right like they have that franchise but i still just don't think they have the depth or they have the like consistency to come like what marvel have done over the last 10 years has been literally incredible and it's something that we have never seen before and i think they've pretty much built a universe that we all care about and that we all love dc have yet to do that and this and like the universe is a big world and yeah i think you're probably like i not to boohoo to see too much because i think i would love to get a really great batman movie like and i'm really excited about the joker movie that's coming out this year but like there is there are the levels like to compare the two which often is seen on twitter is frankly ridiculous because there is no comparison yes see that's the thing for me because i'm a massive dc fan like i'm not gonna lie realistically batman and every villain and anti-hero that's ever featured in the batman universe for me it will always be iconic and will kind of always be my number one but when it comes to the two different comic book universes like no one has been able to lay a story the way have marvel have done with avengers like it has been so intricate there's been what what has there been 20 20 something films now that have tied up all of this this whole plot point from as you were saying in the past like 12 15 years and it's iconic and obviously like dc they're well-written comics they're interesting they're fun some of the films anyway at least have been very well cast like obviously dc you're you're making moves but they will never be able to deliver the way marvel have with avengers and i would love for them to but sorry, they could in the future. I will say that to this point, at least anyway, where we are in cine- cinematic history, they will not be able to deliver the way that Marvel has. Yeah, and they definitely uh, like have not shown like. So I feel like with DC, you get you get like okay, Wonder Woman was great for all intents and purposes. I've heard Aquaman, which is is great. I actually haven't seen Aquaman, so I can't really comment. But Marvel's ability to just nail movie after movie after movie after movie while building up individual characters and also serving the universe is kind of exceptional and is definitely going to be hard for them to recreate. 100%. Now, for me, and this is the only thing from the film that bothered me. So, for everyone who's seen it, I'm assuming if you're in with us this far and if you stuck around this far, you've seen the film or you've read the comics or you're aware there is one scene in the, sorry, one part of the big fight scene that really stuck with me as to having annoyed me. And I know it's in the comics, so don't come for me because I know it's in the comics. Basically, when Cap picks up the hammer, so obviously like, so he's worthy of the hammer. Okay, yeah, we get that, right? Mildly irked by that. 
Then when the lightning flashes in his eyes, and yes, I know people that the hammer is able to wield lightning. I get it. Sure. However, it pisses me off because for me, it is just such American propaganda. I know that like we've gotten to this point now where Captain is like, he's gone past like him being needing the fight and kind of just needing to go to the next fight, next fight and just kind of keep being this war hero. And he's now worthy of the love and devotion that he's throwing into the fight. It's been thrown back at him and everyone loves Cap and yeah, he's great, whatever, brilliant. But that whole scene with the hammer, it's just, oh, it bothers me. So I'm like, it's Thor's hammer. He's the Norse god. Like, oh, come on, people. It's just such American propaganda to be like, oh, look how great Captain America is. So not going <laughs> to lie, it annoyed me. You see, I love that. He picked, The first time I saw him pick up that hammer, I audibly screamed uh, uh, me along with half the theater as well i was like fuck i thought it was so cool the lightning thing i can understand the one bit i don't like about it is when he kind of like throws the hammer up and brings down the lightning bolt onto thanos i'm like okay okay like that's a bit weird to me just jumping from that to thor who i love thor is probably one of my favorite characters in this whole universe his like kind of self-doubt and anxiety and him overcoming that it's something that i can really relate to and I thought that was incredible and oh, there's just so many good bits to this movie. It's hard. Like like I said, I actually can't think of anything that I really disliked. My only maybe thing that I'm like, okay, mm, was Gamora and Nebula in general, like in, maybe more Nebula. I'm kind of like, I don't know. I just I don't really care. I guess I don't know them well enough so I don't really care about them but I think, I can't remember the actress's name who plays Nebula. I think it's... Karen Morris. Yes, I was going to say Karen Morris. She does great, like, acting-wise. But, I, like, even how... I don't know. It's all a bit... That was the only thing that was a little bit kind of, like, meh to me, was that whole kind of storyline. But other than that, like, there was just nothing that I can critique this movie for. Yeah, I think I agree with you that it was a little bit weak that... I think especially because it was only really built up in the last film that final storyline with Gamora and Nebula like obviously we'd seen it in the films before they're kind of the evolution of their sisterhood and their their relationship and all but kind of just that annoying parallel of like evil Nebula and good Nebula and oh you can change no I can't you won't let me like (laughs) (laughs) sorry I know my voice acting is iconic but so yeah that I feel like it was a bit rushed so I think that's maybe why it wasn't great but look still brilliant acting and for me like obviously like Robert Downey Jr. is my favorite actor out of all of them personally I just he's he's iconic I think Chris Hemsworth needs more props for the fact that he is not only a brilliant action actor but he is a hilarious comedic actor and I love the fact that he is one of the few people that I can actively name right now anyway that is kind of like a standalone brilliant pioneer of comedic action acting as in tying the two together he's amazing at it and i love that for him yeah he really is and i feel like they really found their feet with him in ragnarok i think once that like i think them kind of pushing thor out of this kind of shakespearean tragic role and allowed chris to kind of like flex his comedic muscles i think was one of the best things they ever did to this universe because i don't know oh my god we haven't talked about spider-man Oh my god, no we haven't. Who, like, okay, another spoiler. Um, I cried at 
Avengers Infinity War when he died. So him returning and him swinging in and him hugging Tony and oh, everything about everything about I can't even. I know the idea of this whole kind of section is supposed to like unpack that movie, but I literally can't. Everything about it just makes me happy. It makes me so happy, other than the bits that cried. I know. I have to say, Alex, and I find this very funny, and I don't know if any of the listeners are going to pick up on this. I feel like with each topic that we have this week that we could have dedicated a whole episode to, to be perfectly honest. So guys, I'm sorry if you feel that we're not delivering enough justice on each topic, but like, honestly, we just have too many emotions. Too many emotions. I think we're also you know, we want our conversations to flow. I don't think we want our conversations to be too structured, which means that we can kind of get on these like tangential rides. But, you know, look, we've had a busy week this week. It's been a lot. Laura, I hope it's lived up to your expectations. I mean, it really is your wheelhouse. All three topics here. Exactly. Like this was, this this was my episode, to be honest, guys. So for me, I'm I'm a happy woman. Yeah, me too. I mean, like we're... <laughs> you're a happy woman (laughs) i mean what is gender it's all a construct so we're really happy both of us really happy with this episode it is a long one but i think you know it's worth it these topics all and look we've cut topics we were going to game of thrones but we were like okay no there's no need for us to do game of thrones again but more than likely we will do game of thrones after episode five which of course is going to feature that's like the last war so you know judging by what goes on there we'll talk about Game of Thrones again and then of course we'll do a wrap-up episode of Game of Thrones but we, we've cut topics but I feel like we couldn't have cut any any of these topics that we've talked about today. No, far too important, far too many emotions and to be honest like obviously guys I'm happy that we've been doing Game of Thrones the past couple of weeks but like there, there, there's good times to have, take breaks and I think we, we took our time in the right time Al. Yeah, I would agree but having said that we will see you next week. We will be talking about Game of Thrones I'm very excited. I also think, you know, we needed to allow something like the Met Gala. I feel like it's place to shine. And even Endgame, okay, we're a week late, but hopefully everyone has seen it now and everyone has enjoyed listening to us give our thoughts about it. If you have any differing thoughts, hit us up on our Twitter at ITTO Podcast. Hit us up, like, you know, DM me. I'm more than happy to argue with you people over DM. So, you know, there's always these avenues available for you and I think yeah three topics that I think have really set the scale and also tone of this podcast this is what this podcast is about exactly and even though Alex has said that he is more than happy to argue with you guys in his dms feel free to like slide into my dms for just a low-key conversation you know (laughs) Alex will argue the house down and I'll just chat it down that is what we're here for isn't it Al we're here to offer different uh, elements of our personalities I feel like I'm being painted as bad cop and I'm the good cop like it's me like I'm the nice one all I'm gonna (laughs) say guys is that this was unanimous I'm the sun emoji and Alex is the moon emoji take from that what you will Mm -hmm. I'm definitely a moon energy but anyway we've really like this episode is long enough we do not need to get into that. Maybe we can talk about that <laughs> next week. But um, that's all from us, guys. Please rate us, subscribe, you know, post about us, retweet our tweets, all that jazz. And just listen and have fun. And please get back to us with any feedback you have. And we will see you next week. See you next week, guys.